You're listening to AIB Market Talk with our latest financial market update. our weekly AIB market update on Tuesday the 20th of October. I'm John Herflin from our customer treasury unit and I am joined this week by AIB's chief economist Oliver Mangan to discuss the recent financial market developments. During this podcast we'll focus on the EU-UK trade negotiations, have a look at what's going on with the dollar and take a look at the week ahead. Good morning Ollie. Some commentators suggest the market appear to be ignoring the UK government, when we are looking at what's going on with the Sterling's reaction to the news flow coming out of the EU-UK trade discussions. What is the latest with the talks and do you share the market's optimism for a deal of some description to be reached? Well, I think we're heading towards the moment of truth for the for the, the trade talks. Obviously, uh, the Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, on Friday signaled the discussions were at an end. There was no point talking any further and the UK needs to prepare for effectively no trade deal scenario. But uh, Michael Gove, a senior member of the Cabinet, signalled over the weekend that the door remains open or ajar. And the start of this week has seen continued discussions between Monsieur Barnet on the EU side and David Frost, the chief EU negotiator on the UK side. So the talks haven't completely broken down. It may be that I think the UK government may be hanging tough here. But I think there is now, it was quite surprising that there was absolutely no reaction over the weekend in currency markets to that bolt um, from the UK that discussions were at an end. But I think, the, you know, seeing that discussions are continuing in the background, there is an expectation that they will formally get. Uh, face-to-face talks underway uh, over the course of this week and maybe into early next week. There have been signals that progress have been made over the last number of weeks on the trade talks. Obviously, key issues remain in terms of state aid rules, uh, fishing rights, uh, and some form of uh, regulatory mechanism to oversee the state aid rules. But um, I think the markets are taking the view, I mean, you know, the UK and EU will reach a trade deal because it's in everybody's interest. And given the fact that we're heading towards at least partial lockdowns in, in here in the UK, in mainland Europe, uh, you wouldn't want to load a no trade deal Brexit on top of that because of the additional shock it would give to the UK economy, European economies. So um, the fact that they've continued talking in the early part of this week uh, gives the market hope that uh, we are coming to the critical moment and a deal will be done and given the signals last week that the, you know, the, the, the differences were narrowing it was a bit of a surprise so I think people see this more as a negotiating tactic on the UK side trying to drive a harder deal um, the EU response has been very calm they continue the discussions so I think the expectation in markets is that over the next week to 10 days the discussions will move to what's called a more intensified process or a tunnel process and we may get a deal by let's say early to mid-November so I think um, a very close eye needs to be kept on this I mean we've always said you know there's no guarantee we get a trade deal and um, you know we've highlighted that sterling will move or should, is likely to move quite sharply in either one direction or the other depending on how the trade talks evolve you know considerable downside risk for sterling if we don't get a trade deal and uh, obviously it can recover the ground it lost over the summer uh, if there's progress made towards talks. I think the, the, the key development will be if we move to what they call the more intensive uh, phase of the discussions, the so-called tunnel phase, will be a sign that um, you know a deal is in the offering. So um, uh, we need to keep very close on it, but markets are confident we get a deal. 
and Oliver, um, I think the main sticking points are around governance kind of issues and the fisheries um, between the two parties. Um, do you see any kind of major roadblocks if they can't come to terms in terms of, say, fisheries? Well, I think um, if the other issues are resolved, um, fisheries will probably fall into place. The, the fisheries is a small part of the economy. And obviously, the, there's also the issue around um, the, the the main issues are around continuing access for EU fishermen into UK waters. But obviously, UK fishermen have access into EU waters. And there's some talk as well that it, it may involve a trade-off um, uh, if there's continuing, maybe reduced access for EU fishermen, but some access to EU waters, or sorry, to UK waters, that in return there may be increased or a provision for access for the UK to the uh, energy markets in Europe, and also possibly something on financial services in terms of access, UK firms accessing the uh, financial services markets in the EU. So there's obviously scope for horse trading here. So I think uh, fishes may get dragged into other issues. That's why it will, you know, we will need uh, a number of weeks of quite detailed negotiations uh, to work out the final terms of any trade deal. But I think fisheries will probably get lobbed in with other issues, I say, access to European energy markets, access to the uh, financial services market, etc., on the EU side. So there's plenty of scope for horse trading here, I think, the next number of weeks. Okay, and uh, for the listeners, the sterling, sterling will then move, as you're saying, in sort of a binary fashion, depending on how good or or how unencouraging yeah. the news flow is. I think if the markets are correct in terms of being still relatively confident we'll get a trade deal. The key thing will be if those negotiations moved into that so-called intensified phase, or they may call it the tunnel phase, that would be a signal that the broad parameters of a deal have been agreed, and now we're working out the fine detail, which is you know tricky in itself, but um, that would be a signal that both sides are really up for a deal at that stage. So that bears close watching, and Sterling will certainly move in that environment. Um, the euro will drop well below 90. Uh, on the other hand, if there's a complete breakdown of the trade talks, well, that would be a very negative sign, given you know, the transition period uh, expires at the end of the year. So, um, you know, it is coming to the moment of truth in these talks. So Sterling bears very close watching uh, at the present time. And Ali, have we heard anything from the Bank of England in relation to the potential for net move to negative rates in the event of deal or no deal? Not so much in the, in the event of deal or no deal. Uh, they are some way away from moving to negative interest rates. Uh, they're doing a lot of parity work. They have their doubts about whether the, such a move will be successful or not, but they have them in their toolkit. But I mean, they're really signaling uh, any move to negative interest rates probably will be maybe the middle of next year, I would say. Uh, okay. They're just not ready to make that step yet if they're going to even go down that road. And look, looking across the pond, as it were, um, this, this week's weekly is entitled The Emperor Has No Clothes. And it focuses on the markets at the moment, and I suppose we've seen a cautious mode set in there with a flight to the safe havens, particularly the dollar, and the dollar has seen some support. Can you bring our customers through what's going on with the dollar at the moment, Ali? Yeah, well, the dollar has been very strong for the last number of years, um, and more recently, you know, the dollar is the most liquid currency. It's a reserve currency. It's a flight to haven currency. So markets have been unnerved, obviously, by the, the COVID uh, pandemic this year, uh, a lot of uncertainty. 
uh, and the US currency, the yen and the Swiss franc are the three currencies that tend to benefit uh, in those sort of circumstances. More particularly, I mean, the dollar has been at very elevated levels, going back probably to 2014, 2015. And the reason being for that is the US rates were much higher than elsewhere. Now, US rates have come down to zero. That 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 rate of vantage has been largely eroded. But still, the dollar, uh, because of the uncertain environment, has benefited from this flight to quality uh, and its attraction is a very, very liquid currency. What we would say, if you look at the dollar over time, and I mean over long periods of time, the dollar appreciated in the 1990s. Then the first decade of this year, of this sorry, this century, it fell sharply, 2001 down to 2008, 2009. And then over the last decade, the dollar has appreciated quite significantly. So um, the trend is usually your friend uh, with the dollar, but it, it can change direction maybe every eight or 10 years. That's been the pattern over the last 30 years. And when you look out, let's say, post the winter, in post the first half of next year, you know, there's a lot of talk of developing a vaccine being widely available for the coronavirus. If that's the case, it, it, it's, a, it's a game changer in terms of economic prospects. Uh, uh, central banks have said they keep rates low. There will be very keen to engineer a very strong recovery in, in economic growth over 2021, 2022, 2023, get uh, unemployment back down, so very loose policy stance, very much uh, a risk-on sentiment in those sort of circumstances. And in particular, the Fed's indicated that it won't be raising rates, they'll keep them at zero. So, you know, there will be two major props uh, gone for the US currency. And obviously the polls are indicating as well that we will have a regime sh shift in um, the US, in Washington, come the new year, because we could have a Democrat president and a Democrat-controlled uh, Congress. Uh, and they're moving into that environment where the US budget deficit is at very, very high levels. Um, the budget deficit in the US this year is, is put at over 15% of GDP. Uh, now, that's the highest since going back to the Second World War, since 1945. And it's almost double the level of, of the Eurozone. Uh, and, you know, the, the Biden administration is committed to increasing spending, providing support to the economy, etc. So funding that deficit will be a challenge, uh, and, and particularly in circumstances where U.S. rates are at zero. So that, again, you know, traditionally high, and we have a large current account deficit in the U.S. as well. So twin deficits uh, can be. Uh, quite negative for a currency. So what I would say is, you know, certainly maybe over the next six months, given the ongoing um, weak economic backdrop, elevated risks around COVID, etc., um, the dollar may retain its strength. But on a medium-term view, if you're looking out into the latter part of next year, in 2022, you just look and think, well, actually, a lot of the supports that have been there for the dollar over the last decade are gone. Um, it could be facing a very large budget deficit, a very large current account deficit, uh, and that could start to weigh in the currency. So as a these trading or these turning points are very very hard to to spot, but uh, it just strikes me that as it, some of those supports uh, that have been there for the dollar over the last six, seven, even ten years may well be abating at the present time. And we could be moving into a decade where the dollar is under pressure. Uh, now, it's, it's also very elevated levels uh, against most currencies. So it's very high. So it'd be no surprise for it to see it come down. So just striking a note in that when you, when you look further down the road, our currency markets are very hard to forecast. But it's just noting that those props for the dollar that have maintained its strength uh, um, for much of this decade are actually giving way.
And looking for the week ahead, Ollie, um, it seems to be Flash PMI is, is the main data releases uh, for the UK, the US, and the Eurozone. Yeah. What should we the, be looking out for? Well, the far October, right? And they're at the back end of the week. Um, you know, we are facing increased restrictions here in the UK, across Europe in particular. Uh, and we saw how that impacted negatively on the economies uh, in the first half of the year. So, but the flash PMIs, I mean, we, we already, let's say in Ireland, have been at level three. Restrictions have been put in place in numerous economies over the last month to six weeks. And these these are activity surveys for the manufacturing services sectors, the PMI surveys. So we'll get data out of uh, Europe, the EU, the UK, and indeed the US. And certainly, whatever about the US, the expectation is that these data are for October and they will see a weekly number of activity across Europe, particularly in the services sector of the economy, given the restrictions that have been put in place over the last four to six weeks. And obviously, further declines in PMIs are likely in November, um, given that Europe is moving on to a much more... Uh, much greater amount of restrictions in terms of economic activity. Same applies in Ireland, uh, same applies in the UK. So I think they'll be watched from that, from that point of view, the extent to which the weaken in October and with further weakness expected in um, November. I mean, not to be over alarmist, but we, we could be looking at a double dip in terms of a recession. We know um, economies contracted very sharply in the first half of the year, bounced back strongly in quarter three. The expectation was that that would run out of momentum uh, with the rising number of COVID cases in quarter four. But with the types of restrictions we're now seeing being put in place, it could well be that we will see another decline in output uh, in the fourth quarter of the year uh, because of these uh, additional restrictions that have been put in place, particularly on the services sector of economies. Okay, Ali, thank you very much for the update. And a big thanks to all our customers, colleagues and listeners for joining us on this week's podcast. To stay up to date with the latest market developments, Please subscribe to AB's Market Talk on the podcast apps for iOS or for Android. For those customers impacted by the pandemic, you can find details of AIB support packages at aib.ie forward slash COVID-19. Thank you for listening and take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of AIB Market Talk. Allied Irish Bank's PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. First Trust Bank is a trademark of AIB Group UK PLC authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. Allied Irish Bank GB and Allied Irish Bank GB Savings Direct are trademarks used under licence by AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority.